0: all delulu besties welcome
1: this is a safe space to vent talk shit reflect and most importantly keep it real
0: it's better to trauma dump here so that we don't explode on innocent randos just admit it you're bothered
1: What's up, the Lulu besties? Welcome back to another episode of Balancing the Bullshit.
0: Hi, again.
1: Hi, again. You guys, me and Karen have been through it.
0: Like, shocker, what's new?
1: (laughs) Right. It's always always something with this goddamn podcast.
0: The technology for this is bizarre. It's mind-blowing. I know. At least this time I was pretty simple, but still. I open my iPhone and MacBook every day, and it's just, I don't have all these issues. It just works right. magically on its own. Right. Like, I don't have to figure this shit out every second. <laughs> Who knew
1: po- podcasting needed, like... was rocket
0: science. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like you need an engineering degree apparently to be a podcaster.
0: Literally, I texted Danny earlier. I was like, "Wait, am I in the wrong career? Should I be an engineer?"
1: <laughs> so long story short, we recorded this entire episode yesterday, and today we went to edit, and nothing recorded. It was really cute and really awesome.
0: Yeah, great. So here we are again. <laughs>
1: so here we are again for round two. But you know what? This is just well, practice. Yeah. So it'll yesterday be was practice, and yeah, today is going to be great. I'm calm now. I'm zen. I was a little frustrated (laughs) earlier, but we're all good.
0: Danny tried quitting again. Shocker.
1: (laughs) It's was like, fuck this. I'm not doing this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, earlier he he was like, fuck this. I was like, go meditate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: Anyways, yeah, I mean, I always... Listen to the universe, and I love the universe, but sometimes it really pisses me off.
0: Okay, I thought about that, too. I was like, maybe there's a reason why we're doing this again today.
1: Maybe like, our episode yesterday, it was terrible, or we said something, like, we shouldn't have said.
0: Okay, honestly, this is what we hear for being stoned.
1: We thought it would be a cute idea. Well, you thought it would be a cute idea, and I was like, um, I don't know.
0: <laughs> okay, well, I listened to Wiz Khalifa and Chelsea Handler on Call Her Daddy, and they were stoned out of their minds, and I was cracking up for the entire episode, so I was like, hey, we're funny, we'll be funnier on weed, and, um, yeah, no. <laughs> well,
1: those are professional stoners, first of all. <laughs> we're not Chelsea Handler and Wiz Khalifa.
0: <laughs> I know.
1: You know, like, you couldn't operate the door.
0: <laughs> I feel like yesterday, half of what we recorded, we were going to have to cut out I was
1: like, uh... Yeah, so this is actually probably a good thing. Thank you, universe. (laughs) Thank you.
0: (laughs) Okay, so for today's Pick a Card, I'm going to start with the quote. Okay. One of the greatest and most comforting of truths is that when one door closes, another one opens. But often we look so long and regretfully upon the closed door that we do not see the one that has opened for us.
1: Ooh, okay. Who's that by? Anonymous. Okay, anonymous. I like that. My interpretation of that is... Well, that's a lot of what we talk about with following your intuition, right? So if you're not in tune with your intuition, first of all, you're not even going to see that other door. You're going to be focused on the one that's already closed and be like, oh, I did something wrong. Let me try again. Like this is my path, but you're not looking at the signs that are kind of guiding you towards the, the next chapter, the next open door. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think like to put it in dumb terms for everybody to understand is pretty much when you're following your intuition, you're going with the flow. And then when you're not on the other hand, then you're in control mode. So when one door closes and you're in control mode, you're like grasping on to that. And you're like, no, 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 I'm going to make it work. Or you could just go with the flow. And I guess prime example, us uh, and this whole podcast fiasco of yesterday, going with the flow was okay. Well, the door for yesterday closed, so here we are going with the flow, re-recording today and just letting life take us rather than just trying to control everything. Right,
1: we were just going to end up releasing a shitty episode because we had the video. We didn't have the audio.
0: Yeah. So we could have <laughs> forced it. I was
1: like, okay, well, I didn't record. Let's just let's, rerecord yeah. it. That's a great example. And I just think other examples are you trying to make a relationship work with an ex or someone that you've been yes, up and down with. Like that's a great that example. door is closed. You should be moving on or you're trying to maintain friendships with certain people, or you're trying to get into a certain type of career. There's tons of examples where the door obviously has been closed for a while and you can't get back in. And that's for a reason.
0: Yeah. And it's hard to see it in the moment. It's so funny because, you know, I always manifest and, in order for you to receive your manifestation, like you're asking for your life to change. And so then when your life starts to change, first, it looks like it's falling apart. Mm-hmm. Hence to your example, like in a relationship, it's falling apart, but it's because something better is coming along. So the more that you try to cling on to that door that's already closing, the longer that you're delaying your own mm-hmm. joy and blessing.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. Yep. Just trust the process. Okay, for the question, is there a part of my past that it's time to let go of?
0: Okay, this is very ironic that this is the card that we pulled because, shocker, I had an epiphany. Epiphany hour. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try to focus and not make it an hour long. I need to like cut my yeah, rambling down. like two minutes. <laughs> okay, got it, got it. So, speaking of manifesting, I have been trying to manifest money now that I'm trying to be an entrepreneur. Long story short, I'm changing my relationship to money because... Going back to control mode, when I was in corporate life, I was making a six-figure income, but I was so miserable. And so I realized, okay, it's not money that's going to make you happy. What is it about the way that you view money and your relationship to money? Why are you putting so much value and pressure on money? It's got to be something else that you've got to work through. So manifesting is frustrating at times because you're obsessed with making this thing happen. And then it's a really long process sometimes Mm -hmm. for you to work through all of your limiting beliefs. And it all just kind of fell into place for me over the last few days. I had a few different moments where a light bulb went off in my head. One of them. So, okay. I've been obsessed with call her daddy lately. I've been listening to it like every day. Mm, That's
1: a great one. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: I was listening to the episode with Priyanka. Who is it? Nick or Joe? One of the Jonas brothers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Whoever
0: she's married to. Yeah. One of Mm -hmm. them. And she was talking about how she grew up in India, and her dad was a surgeon. So she comes from a well-off family. Mm -hmm. But India is a developing country. So there's a lot of poverty there, and Mm -hmm. they don't have as many resources and opportunities as they do here in America. So. There's more competition there. In a developing country, they all have a scarcity mindset where everyone's just struggling to survive and they're all competing because when you are around so much poverty every day, even if you're not poor yourself, it kind of alters your mindset because you fear being poor yourself and you are almost like overcompensating and working so hard to just make a living. It's just a totally different mindset. But anyway... It it made it click in my head because I do know I've been frustrated with my parents throughout my whole life when they would blame things on money and I don't know how I had never pieced these things together, but when she said it, I was like, oh my God, I also come from a developing country. My parents grew up in Mexico City and I lived there for six years. And so even though they too are well off and I was well provided for as a kid, It's just that mentality. The whole government is struggling. Just the way that the structure and the economic system is set up in developing countries, it has an effect on the citizen's mindset. So that really helped for me to be able to let go. Like, you know how sometimes when you're upset, it's usually because you don't even understand the situation. A lot of times it's miscommunication. And then once you get it all cleared up and you understand, then all of a sudden it's so... it's much easier for you to just let go. Mm-hmm. It was kind of one of those moments for me. And then I had another epiphany also on Call Her Daddy. She was talking to this one psychologist and they were talking about emotionally mature parents and how it affects you in adult life if you are raised by emotionally mature parents. And Alex asked the psychologist about kids who are raised How does she phrase it? Like when parents buy your love. And again, it's not that I didn't know this about my parents, but for some reason it just all of a sudden clicked in my head all over again. And I was able to relate that to the way that I view money and just my relationship issues. So either one of my parents were really emotionally available and not that it's their fault. They didn't get to go to therapy as kids. Nobody taught them how to be in tune with their emotions. So The way that my dad raised me was by buying my love. He wasn't around. My parents got divorced. And then the few times where he would come up to visit us, I would go from my mom always crying, complaining about how she was a single mom and my dad didn't pay child support. So we were tight on money. And then it kind of put me in a position as a kid where my hands were tied behind my back and it didn't feel good and then I'd call my dad and be like well you know mom's saying you're not paying child support so can you help her and he'd be like oh I don't know money's tight and again it goes back to just the mentality that people are raised with in developing countries where they just think they're struggling to survive when it doesn't have to be that case Anyway, from feeling down about comments like that constantly being made by my parents and then to all of a sudden get taken on shopping sprees by my dad, it would put me on a high, but it's similar to the butterflies that you get on first dates, as we now know is anxiety. It's not a good excitement. That's where I got raised ever since a little kid. That's what I'm worthy of is. My love being bought through clothing and being taken out shopping and wine and dine. And then after that, well, then dad goes back to Mexico and I stay in the U.S. And then we just don't talk and he doesn't send mom child support or whatever. So it makes so much sense how now in adulthood, you know how a few weeks ago we were trying to figure out why I settle for all these Shitty rich guys and why I get confused when they're taking me on nice trips and whining and dining me and buying me handbags or whatever Where I think they like me, but they actually don't I'm about to be in my 30s and I couldn't ever Make sense of it And now I just tied it all the way back to all the shopping sprees that my dad took me on Where I would be like so excited like oh he does love me. This is his Mm -hmm. way of showing it yeah, and It's also crazy going back to going with the flow and just allowing the doors in your life to close and whatever the universe opens up for you. It made me realize how, you know, how I was kind of shook about David where he was like, okay, well, I'm not a millionaire. I'm not going to be lining and dining you all the time or whatever. It's kind of what I needed in my life to help me heal from all of that. And then what a funny coincidence on the timing that now it's all clicking in my head. First, it was this experience with David and being humbled. And now it's just all making sense finally.
1: Yeah. Okay. I love this. So long story
0: short... My relationship with money is finally healed. Yeah,
1: it's definitely improved.
0: Thank God.
1: <laughs> and now you can start accepting it into your life. Yeah, in a more now, healthy way.
0: Yeah, exactly. And now I'm just so excited because I really mm-hmm. did immediately, as I sat down to journal about all this, I felt a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. Off my shoulders, and so now it is nice to just not be so controlling with money anymore because like I said, I've made a lot of money and it just made me more miserable. I'm excited to now just not put so much meaning on it mm-hmm. or wait and just live my life and not have to like obsess over it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, congratulations. Thanks. That's amazing. Up. <laughs> All right. So for the affirmation for anyone who wants to work on this, I think the past and courageously turn toward the future. Okay, so for today's episode, we are doing a get-to-know-you episode, as if we don't talk about ourselves enough. (laughs) (laughs) But we have some good questions. We have a mix of questions from viewers as well as questions to get to know us more and it'll be more than just us talking about ourselves. We're going to be able to give you guys advice on uh, certain situations that we've been through and topics. And we're
0: fun, okay?
1: Yeah, so it'll be great. So first question, what have each of you learned from being sexual assault victims?
0: For me, since I face this as an adult, I think it's probably different than experiencing it as a kid. Rape was actually one of the many red flags that I ignored and settled for. When I got raped on the first date by the money launderer, there were so many red flags before the first date. Like when he was following me around at the dog park and he asked for my number, I said no. And I wasn't playing hard to get. I genuinely did not want to give him my number. I was not interested. But he was so persistent that I just was like, okay, whatever. Because I lacked at that time setting my own boundaries. And then even then, he just was so annoying. Immediately blowing up my phone. And on the first day, I was like, okay, I'm going to go home. And then he was like, do you want to come up to my apartment? I didn't, but I did it anyway. That was a red flag. I should have trusted my intuition and just gone home. He was a shitty person and rape is just one of the byproducts of his Mm -hmm. shitty personality that I had already picked up on. And I really believe that everything in life is a mirror. So going back to settling for red flags, because I settled, the act of getting raped only dug my self-worth hole even deeper. Mm -hmm. And the only way that I could then dig myself out of that hole was to start validating myself. And it was really confusing at first because it wasn't like the myth rape stories that you hear about where you're being shoved down to bed and like chained down and being beaten and forced to stay there. I actually froze and just disassociated and let it happen. So I wasn't even sure that that's what rape was Mm -hmm. until later on in therapy with Laura, our life coach. It all kind of just started to come to me. And I was like, wait, I think I might've been raped. I'm not really even sure if this classifies as rape. So her validating that it was then made me sit on it for a little bit more and think about it. But it was still confusing because I had never thought or looked at it that way. And the more I started to talk about it and journal about it, then I started to cry. And now as I talk about it, I'm like, oh, I deserve better. And that's what's helped me build my self-esteem mm-hmm. and self-worth. So I would say those were my biggest lessons from it.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of lessons that come from that, right? So one of mine definitely is that the aftermath is way worse than the actual event, like the actual assault. Mm, yeah. Yeah, because for me, I, did, I also didn't think what I experienced was sexual assault at all. Not even until more recently, actually. It was just something I was like oh yeah, it's just something I did, I didn't want to do. That doesn't mean it was sexual assault or rape or anything. Just going back to the aftermath, now when I look at my past and how irresponsible I've been when it comes to having sex and also just low self-esteem, that's one of the things I can tie it back to. And that caused me a lot more pain than the actual assault that happened when I was a kid. You know, like at the time, I may be uncomfortable, but I feel like I just forgot about it shortly after. It was nothing I was dwelling on or super sad about or upset over and crying over, but it just led to years of putting myself in really bad situations that ended up bringing me a lot of pain and anxiety. It's
0: so interesting because I want to say, oh, imagine if we had had high self-worth at the time then we wouldn't have invalidated ourselves and then we wouldn't have had this big aftermath of all the ripple effects of bad decisions after the fact but going back to it happening in adulthood somebody with a high self-worth probably would not end up in that situation to begin no, yeah. with they would they walk away like, yeah. before
1: like you would have said like no i'm not going upstairs with you actually you wouldn't even go on the date the only reason exactly. you go on the date with them is because you had low self-esteem
0: and couldn't set my own boundaries yeah. or respect them and the other more
1: positive thing i I've learned from this is it's okay to be open and honest and vulnerable about this stuff and it makes me want to help people who have been through this also just to first of all admit what has happened to them and not let that define them that's a step to recovery is talking about it isn't and that not funny how up. it
0: works like it seems so scary to be vulnerable but then once you actually do it, once you're open up, then it's empowering. So it's mm-hmm. literally the opposite of it being scary. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's not actually scary at all. No. I can see how, yeah, like, maybe when you first say it, but then once you get, you know, no one's going to react, well, most of the people are not going to react negatively to hearing that, Yeah, you know? Even if
0: they do, just the fact that you're showing up for yourself and you're validating yourself like, this is what happened, I didn't deserve that. You're empowering yourself, and then it doesn't matter what anybody else says.
1: Mm-hmm. And yeah. the more you
0: do it, the less that you need anyone else's validation. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. I feel like most people, <laughs> the fear of being judged is a big thing, and people aren't going to judge you for that. And for the ones that do, They can them. scram. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: okay, Danny tell us your coming out story.
1: My coming out story is kind of long. I'll try to get the Cliff Notes version of it. So I came out... I guess two times, which is confusing because I came out and then I went like back into the closet and then I had to come out again. (laughs) I know. It's so ridiculous. (laughs) It's kind of funny. Yeah. So I came out originally, not to everyone, but to I started telling my close friends. I told my mom when I was, uh, I believe I was 16 and... I had met this guy on the internet, so I lived in a small conservative town. This was like 2008, eight, seven, somewhere around there. There wasn't a lot of gay people around.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's when everyone was still in the closet.
1: Yeah, people were out, but like in high school, no. It wasn't very common for people to be out in high school. And, Anyways, I met this guy on the internet. We chatted for literally a day, and he was already telling me he loved me.
0: Okay, no. Yeah. That's- sociopath vibes.
1: But at the time I was like, oh my God, I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> it's Which like is so
0: classic 16 year old. Yes.
1: For a long time I was embarrassed by it. Now I just think it's funny. Yeah. I mean, I was 16 and I was also very immature for my age. I was, you know, raised by emotionally immature parents to begin with. And also I had never had a relationship at that point. I'd never kissed anyone or anything. So I didn't know anything about what I was doing. I just believed this guy and i had my childhood trauma already so it was just like a perfect package for me to be insane over (laughs) this guy literally that i chatted with online and we talked on the phone but that was it and i think like a week later i went to go meet him because his parents were gonna be out of town so i lied to my dad about where i was going i went like i spent the night with him one night and Had, like, the most amazing, romantic night. i never again. This was, like, my first kiss and everything. (laughs) And so I was, like, even more in love. And then when I got back home, he just ghosted me. He wouldn't respond to any of my texts or calls. What? Yeah. And so I was blowing him up for probably a week. (laughs) And I was, like, an anxious mess. I was so upset. And finally he texted me back. He's like, please leave me alone. I never loved you. I'm not even gay. What? Yeah. And... So I was just heartbroken. Wait, like he was, was
0: also 16?
1: Yeah, we were at the same age. I was so heartbroken, and I was... I guess this is a good thing. Like, I actually... When things like this happen to me, I can't keep it to myself. I had to tell my friends what happened. And so that's how I came out the first time. And I even told my mom about it too. Looking for emotional support. And she didn't give that to me. She was upset about the whole gay thing. I know. So she was really upset about that. There was no compassion towards what happened with this guy, really. So that was super hard. And so based on kind of that reaction and disappointment, I feel like... I wanted to go back in the closet when I went to college because like, I was still ashamed. I was still embarrassed. And I was like, well, I've never actually had a girlfriend. I've never tried it. I've never had sex with a girl. I've never tried it. So how am I going to know unless I try? So like, I did date a girl for like almost two years. It was actually a really great relationship except towards the end when obviously I was gay and this wasn't going to last and I was still trying to hold on to it. So I did get rocky at the end
0: so for a while did you believe that you were straight
1: I thought I could I think it was just denial but yeah I was like mm. oh yeah I can do this like
0: ah, oh, like I'm having sex with a girl
1: I actually do have strong feelings for this girl like oh yeah I can make this my life oh because like, I always this... wondered
0: how people Where I'm like you know you're gay how are you in this married life with kids
1: yeah for me it was just <laughs> denial but also at the back of my mind I was Always anxious and scared. Like, what if someone finds out about my past? Ah! Oh. I was just living a very anxious lifestyle, and not just anxious. It was just like shameful too. Like, I'm not being myself. I'm very close to this. Per- all these people who don't know yeah. who I am. Yeah. So obviously that just built up where I couldn't handle it anymore, and like we broke up, and I'm that's when I decided to really come out and just live life as a gay man. And when oh. I tell my mom. The next time she was totally supportive. She actually didn't really say much at all. Her response was like, okay, I have a gay friend at work. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why
0: that's so cute. I know.
1: But over the years, like she is very supportive now. So yeah. Yeah. It turned out good.
0: Good.
1: Okay. Next question. Advice for building self-confidence.
0: Oh, Okay. I have two things. One, I think build affirmations. So think about when you're in a toxic relationship, you could be the most confident person going into it. But if the guy is constantly beating you down, telling you that you're fat, you're ugly, whatever it is that he's feeding you, you eventually, after hearing it so many times, you start to question it. Well, am I actually fat? And -hmm. then before you know it, you're a broken person. You have no more confidence. That bright, confident person Mm -hmm. that you were in the beginning has just totally disappeared. So, the same thing works with affirmations. That's literally what an affirmation is. That, that's just an example of a negative one. So, for a positive one, say you want to build self-confidence, look at yourself in the mirror every day. I do, the, do it in the mornings and just be like, Karen, you are the most confident girl in the whole world or whatever it is that you want to say. Yes, it's obviously going to be weird because, first of all, you're talking to yourself in the mirror mm-hmm. and because you don't believe it. But... Same thing as a toxic boyfriend. Once your mind hears that so many times, it eventually just becomes true. You just believe you it, it. And then your subconscious starts to act accordingly. So then it becomes effortless. You don't even notice because it's not even a conscious effort of you forcing confident behavior, your subconscious will take care of it all. So it's going to be very subtle shifts in your behavior change. And then before you know it, you'll look back one day and be like, holy shit, I used to be the most unconfident person. I don't even know how I got here, but now I'm the most confident person. Mm -hmm. So that's my personal advice that I've taken that works. But the other day on TikTok, I saw this and I thought it was pretty cool. This girl was saying to go out and try new things with the intent of getting rejected. I'm not totally sure. It sounds fun, but my only hesitation was, okay, well, I don't want to go out and do things with the expectation of getting rejected, because I want to let go of expectations completely. Right, because
1: if you go and expecting to get rejected, that's more than likely what you're going to attract.
0: Yeah, so that so was like, the only part where I to, got Yeah,
1: as stuck. opposed to like going into it with like thinking you're going to get a positive outcome, you're more likely going to attract positive energy and get a positive outcome.
0: See, but then yeah. I'm torn because... I also don't want to go into it with the positive expectation. I just wouldn't want to go in with an expectation at
1: all. Yeah. So if you do have a positive one, it doesn't work out. You're not then disappointed. I'm not,
0: yeah. Because I've had moments where I'll freak out because I had said it in my mind. I just expected it to go my way and then it didn't.
1: I think for me, I look more at it, more of it as long-term goals. I keep positive like, Oh yes, I'm going to have all the money that I want. But like, shorter term goals going out and trying something like you said something new just go on with no expectations like this could go great or this could go terrible
0: yeah yeah i like that because what stops people from trying something new which is keeping them in a shell and it's not growing their confidence is the fear of it not working out so if you can just get rid of that Mm -hmm. by being like it may work out it may not yeah. That, I think that would also help grow your confidence. Definitely.
1: Yeah. For me, and I, this is something I've been doing lately, it's just similar to what you said about the TikTok video. I've been going out just trying things that a confident person would do. So just kind of like pretending to be a confident person, even though I may not actually feel like it in the moment, I might feel very uncomfortable and awkward and nervous just doing it anyway. And just doing that over and over and over again until you're just so used to it and you're so comfortable with it. Examples would be striking up a conversation with someone in line at the grocery store Cute. or like I'll do it at yoga sometimes too. One really simple one that I was able to do is have a conversation with my barber when I was getting my haircut. I've always just been such an extremely shy person. So to me, having little conversations like that with people is a step towards something a confident person would do. I love that. Yeah. Other examples that I've been doing is setting boundaries. Setting boundaries is something confident people do. So for example, like I went on a, this was a few months ago, a date that to me, when I was asked to go to dinner, I was in my mind, it wasn't a date. I didn't know if it was a date in the other person's mind, but to me it was just like, okay, yeah, this person's cool. I want to have a friendship, would like to have a friendship with them. So I'm going to go on this dinner and then find out, you know, if we're going to have a friendship or what's going on in his mind. And so when I went, I asked, is this a date, basically? And I think it sounded like it was. So right then and there, I set my boundaries where I was like, "Oh, okay, I am not looking for a relationship right now. I'm looking for friendship. I would rather start a relationship off with a friendship and I wasn't trying to put any pressure on it.
0: Wait, I love that so much. That's similar to what the girl was saying on TikTok, but you're taking it a step further. Like, yeah. oh, let me just go out and do this for fun. It may work out or it may be so fucking awkward because I'm obviously scared to do it. And then through that, you grow your confidence and yeah. then it doesn't matter how it works out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I felt so good after. And I did it again with someone else. That I, did. I went on three dates with them and once I found some red flags even they weren't huge red flags they were just things that i knew me and this person were not on the same page where it would work out i just straight up told them these are some things i noticed this is what i would need in a partner and we're just not aligning there so i would rather just be friends well, that's it,
0: so scary
1: i was scared but once i said it and I had the reaction it was totally fine
0: Oh my god! Yeah. See, to our point, it's all in your head.
1: Oh yeah, and another example. It doesn't have to be dates. It could just be saying no to your friends. I used to be bad about that too. If your friends want to go get dinner or want to go out, even if I didn't want to, I would still say yes. So yeah, just practice that way. Just I know it's uncomfortable sometimes if you're, especially if you're a people pleaser.
0: It's crazy how much work goes into being confident. Pure, genuine confidence all the healing that you have to do hundred mm-hmm.
1: percent. And it's hard.
0: Okay. Do you have any advice for building self-esteem
1: for me? I think, yeah, all my answers are going to be similar to the question we just talked about. What about you?
0: I think, They're a little bit different. They do go hand in hand, self-confidence and self-esteem. The way I see self-esteem is building Mm self-worth. And then confidence is a byproduct of that. But I think an action item that somebody could do to build self-esteem is getting a dog. When I got Henry... He did so much for me. He changed me as a person. He gave me discipline, patience. He showed me unconditional love. He got me on a tight schedule. He challenged me. I had to learn a lot about how to become a mother, how to Train him, having to do all of that, having to adjust my life to take care of somebody else other than just myself. I wasn't able to be so selfish anymore. I had to give a lot of my time and pour into somebody to build somebody else up. And in that process, I naturally built myself up. And I think that was a huge role that played into my self esteem building. Yeah,
1: no, I get that. Okay, next question What's the last thing that made you cry?
0: Okay. I say you answer this one because the last time I cried, I already talked about a few weeks ago. It was when I was, Driving up from St. Antonio, Austin, and I was mourning the previous version of me who had settled for fuckboys. Mm-hmm. That oh, was the last time I cried. Yeah,
1: just because you had so much compassion for that.
0: Yeah, former, and now that I'm healed, I can see
1: yeah, that toxic I cry about, version. Yeah, I cry about my old self, too. Cute. Yeah, It's not pity, but I just feel sad. For that older version of myself. For everything since, that we
0: settled for. Yeah,
1: it is sad. And I cried. now. I used to never cry, but finally Same. since my last breakup, I'm able to release my emotions more. I think the last time I cried was this documentary I watched on Peacock called Three Days and Two Nights. It's sad. So it's a family and it's mom, dad, I think three sons and maybe one daughter are flying a private plane to Colorado for a ski trip. And they drive through, or sorry, they're flying through a storm and their plane crashes and they're stranded in the middle of nowhere in the middle of a storm. <clears throat> and the only two people that survive are two of the brothers and one of them, his legs freeze. And- is this
0: based on a true story? Yeah,
1: this is a documentary. Yeah. And so they had to remove one of his legs. And so then the boys go back to, well, obviously not a normal life. The documentary is about how they're just kind of, how they grew up and how they both handled what had happened. But I cried because I was so sad about the guy who lost his leg. Cause Aww. they were like, yeah, both of the boys were very into sports and like skiing and they were very active and he couldn't do any of that stuff anymore. And oh. he was like old when this doc, when they were filming this documentary. So his whole life had went by and this he was just so, so sad. heartbreaking. To, yeah. Cause he was telling stories about how his brother could still play football and play all the sports and, And he would always be the kid in the wheelchair just watching everyone do what he wanted to do, what he was so passionate about.
0: Oh. I know.
1: It was really sad. I cried.
0: Oh, and so fucked up. Yeah. Doesn't it feel so nice though, now being able to have compassion and empathy for others? Like when I was so out of tune with my emotions and I couldn't ever cry, it was hard for me to have compassion for anybody mm. I can even have it for myself
1: yeah I've always been extremely empathetic mm. so I've always had that but now I can at least cry about it but <laughs> <laughs> okay next question the most embarrassing moment you've ever experienced okay for me um, okay I have one thing in particular always comes to mind it's when this was a long time ago I was seeing a chiropractor and as a chiropractor was very attractive, like super, super hot. And I was in the waiting room, waiting for our appointment one day, and I was texting my friend. He's like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, hey, I'm at my hot chiropractor's, and like people asking questions, and so I was like, oh, let me send you a picture. So I went and found a picture of the chiropractor online, I screenshot it, and I was about to send it to my friend, and then he, the chiropractor came out. It's he like, hey, come on back. And anyway, we go into the appointment, And he wants to take pictures of me uh, to show me how my posture looks. And then when I opened my phone, he could see the picture and the text that (laughs) I had screenshotted. Stop. So embarrassing.
0: so embarrassing. What did you do?
1: Well, he saw it and he was like, oh, that's me. Ah! (laughs) And I freaked out. I just made like a bullshit explanation. I was like, oh, Oh yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, my friend. Needs a chiropractor, and I was recommending you to him. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, so I was sending him your picture. Like, that's all I could think of to say. I was so embarrassed. (sighs) He was douchey. He knew he was hot. I'm sure this has happened to him a million times. He was very douchey. I actually didn't like him at all. He was just so attractive. Now that I'm looking back on it... His personality killed it. (laughs) He was like doing. You are
0: doing a disservice. (laughs) We cannot be feeding these men's egos. I know. Never again.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was very young when this happened, but like he was doing (laughs) pull-ups. In the office one time.
0: What the fuck? Yeah, like in front of his secretary. Yeah, like no, in front of all the and everything. It was just, Ew. Was just like, was,
1: like one of those super cocky guys.
0: Oh Ugh.
1: god! Yeah. I and wish it were-
0: would have happened like to somebody ugly so you could have at least built
1: them up. Yeah, but, the student, <laughs> but go of go course ahead. that's how it worked out. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Okay,
0: my story. I hate this story. Ugh. Okay, <laughs> so. I think I was a senior in college, and I was out with a group of friends here in Austin. We were on Rainy Street, and this guy was hitting on me, and you know when guys hit on you at the bar? They're like, oh, what are you drinking? I'll get your drink. He got all of my friends a round of drinks, and then we went to another bar, and Jose, which is one of our super toxic ex-friends.
1: Alcoholic
0: he's on house arrest.
1: (laughs) Uh, He's just a shitty person.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we could go on and on about him. Anyway, very shitty person. He was like, oh, what's this guy's last name? I was like, I don't know why. And he just walked off. And then we're all talking about, starting to talk about going to the next bar. And then once this guy starts closing out his tab, then Jake pulls me out and we're like skipping down the street, having fun. But now I know that Jake had pulled me out on purpose because Jose was like, Oh, he is, Closing his tab out, we need to get out because we have charged all of these drinks. So, Jose, one of the many reasons why he's not mine and Danny's friends anymore is because Danny and I would wake up to hundreds of dollars charged on our cards the next day. Mm -hmm. And Jose was notorious for always coming out with shots for everybody, Never would I think that one of my quote-unquote best friends is charging all that shit to my card. So mm. it was weird. It took me a few times to catch on and be like, oh, I really spent that much money at the bar? Like, damn. And then Dan and I talked about it one day. and we're like, wait, we're getting kind of suspicious. What if he's charging the drinks on our card? And it just was a very funny coincidence that once I started closing my tab out, Jose obviously could no longer charge shots for everybody on my card. And the shots stopped coming.
1: Mm. Funny how that works. Yeah.
0: So he at this bar was ordering shots and drinks for everybody. So I'm like living my best life, skipping down the street with Jake who's also kind of a shitty person and then the bartender she's storming looking for me in the street she grabs me and pulls me back into the bar is bitching me out going off about how I'm an awful person and I'm so confused I'm like what are you even talking about And she was like you need to pay for this tab and I was like what tab I didn't even order a single drink at this bar because Mm -hmm. everything that I had drank Jose kept handing to me Mm -hmm. and he got the idea because this guy had bought our round of drinks at the first bar so he was like oh this guy has money it'll be fine it was so awkward I was like okay first of all if it was all my friends who charged those drinks I'm in college I eat ramen every day I can't even pay for this tab even if I wanted to so I was obviously mortified but also confused because I was like what the fuck is going on what am I getting yelled at and it just was so embarrassing but the weirder part of all of this is the guy so what ended up happening was He was closing his tab out and then he was just telling the bartender like, hey, I didn't order all of these drinks. I think you rung them up under the wrong tab. So then that's why she got pissed because she was like, you're taking advantage of him. But then once he realized that it was me and my friends who had, you know, it was our fault, then he was like, okay, whatever. It's fine. I'll pay for it. Like miscommunication. We got it cleared up. So then he came with us to the next bar and we (laughs) all just pretended as if nothing had ever happened. Oh my God. Meanwhile, I was boiling inside and I was like, fuck all of you guys.
1: Oh, that's disgusting. That's like real ratchet behavior, gutter behavior.
0: It's so ratchet.
1: I think he lacks empathy, first of all, because he's not empathetic to like, oh, what am I doing to this person? Yeah. And I also think he, I mean, he's an alcoholic, so alcoholics don't care who they hurt true to get what they want i can't so.
0: believe i didn't just end the friendship at that I point i mean we were so
1: un- this is, goes back to having no confidence we were so unconfident that that's what we accepted as
0: friends. yeah yeah again why i cried that last time of mourning all the shit that i've settled for and accepted in the past yeah. that's wild <laughs> Do you ever feel lonely?
1: Mm, Good question. Actually, you know what? I'm happy to say I actually don't feel lonely anymore. Right? Yeah, ever. Because I used to all the time. I was always that person who wanted a relationship or I was always that person who wanted more friends that I could go out on the weekends with or I wouldn't be comfortable sitting at home on a Saturday night or Friday night with my own company because I didn't enjoy my own company. I needed so much validation that I would have to go out and seek it through other people and other experiences. And now I don't feel like that at all. Now I love my alone time and I love my time to just give myself rest or learn more about myself through like journaling or reading or something like that.
0: Yeah. Because now you're so comfortable with yourself. Yeah. I had the exact same answer and a rush of emotions as I was prepping for this episode. Because when I came across this question, part of me was really sad. Again, grieving the old part of me. But then also happy because exactly what you said. Mm -hmm. Now I value my alone time so much. And I actually prefer that over going out and socializing now I get drained after socializing and I'm like okay I, all I want to do is go home and recharge and journal and decompress and go back to my hobbies and cook and paint
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's funny how that works at end of my going out all the time days I would go out and I, my energy would just be so off when I was out of the bars I was like yeah. this is not fun I don't like any of these people I just didn't feel good
0: yeah which is uncomfortable to go through because i remember i was like okay well now what do i do with my life
1: yeah but now like sitting at home you feel so good and so happy i just love being with myself which goes
0: back to the fucking card of how when one door closes let it close yeah
1: don't force yourself to keep drinking and keep going to the bars and keep going to parties yeah
0: because this life that we have now is way better and that door was trying to open for us
1: and it's just—it's funny. I still have friends that I can see that you try to hold on to that life sometimes.
0: Yeah, and it's just weird at this point. Remember We're when too I was old. texting you
1: about the certain friends. I was like, "Yeah, I was with them," and I was just annoyed the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next question: Is there anything you're afraid that you won't accomplish?
0: Okay. No. And. It's so funny that we picked this card because this also kind of goes back to going with the flow, allowing doors to close and open. I definitely used to be obsessed with controlling my destiny and accomplishing things. But now that I've been meditating for, I don't even know how long, it's been probably four years, I truly... Just live in the present moment. It sounds so cheesy and corny. Yeah,
1: because I used to be like, what does that mean? I thought it was just buzzwords that people said. Yes,
0: same. It it was such like a far-reached concept. I couldn't even comprehend it. But living in the present moment just allows you to go with the flow. For example, when I was in corporate life and I was a sales rep, I was so obsessed with when I hit... This quota or this money goal or when I become the number one sales rep in the company, then I'll reach success and Mm -hmm. then I'll feel really good about myself and it'll all have been worth it. But in reality, I wasn't living in the present moment. I was so focused on the future, which what's the point of that? It was making me miserable to focus on the future because I was like, okay, I'm miserable now, but it's because I'm working towards this. So like once I hit it, then it'll be okay. But it was the everyday moment of being me being miserable. What actually happened was I just built upon that misery. So once mm-hmm. I actually did reach all of those goals, then I was more miserable than ever. That's why I was saying earlier how, yeah, I was making a six-figure income, but I was fucking miserable. It didn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. I had set so much importance and value on something that didn't matter at all. Really all what matters is just living in the present moment because when you do that, you let go of the future and the past. Mm -hmm. And so you just enjoy what's right in front of you and you don't have expectations. For example, with our podcast, I don't have any goals anymore that I'm holding on to for the future that mm-hmm. I'm working towards. All I know is I feel fulfilled today from doing the podcast with you and I'm enjoying it. And I'll continue to do it if the opportunity keeps presenting itself. Like yeah. who knows where life is going to take us. And when I stop enjoying it is when I'll stop doing it. And that's what's now allowing me to really enjoy my life today. I don't have to wait to enjoy my life until I reach a goal
1: right right and why would you work towards a goal if every step to get there is making you miserable yeah you know like it makes zero sense
0: yeah how did i justify that in my mind before yeah i don't know
1: yeah yeah that's (laughs) that's funny i do love that answer and my answer is the same as yours there isn't anything i'm afraid that i won't accomplish anymore mostly because i know that as soon as i start worrying about that and start doubting myself then I'm just going to go on a negative path and it's going to not lead me to get to what I want to accomplish.
0: Yeah. Then you're living in anxiety and you're manifesting anxiety. Yeah. You're going to
1: bring that negative energy in. So I've actually learned just to just not worry about it. And yeah, I made a dream board recently, finally for the first time. I
0: love that so much.
1: I'm not scared to not accomplish any of these things. I just believe that I am. I'm just going to live in the present moment and just keep going with the flow. Like we said earlier until I get there. Cause I truly believe that I will.
0: Which is funny. It's almost like reverse psychology because Mm -hmm. I feel like my old mentality makes a lot of sense to the majority of the people out there. Cause that's how we get raised by society. And that's what we get drilled into our head. Like, Oh, set a goal and then work towards it. But clearly that doesn't work as I just explained. And as you just explained, when you have that confidence and that assurance of, oh, of course it's going to work out. Why wouldn't it? Then, A, you get to enjoy your life in the process. And that's the confidence that you need to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. Not the fucking anxiety. Right. You have to be a confident person.
1: <laughs> be open to the doors. Again, hello, card. Yeah, the doors that are they're open for you to get you to what you want to accomplish. I know we're rambling on because this is a good question. It's so good. Uh, last thing I'll say is... Something that's really been helpful for me is also my relationship with money. I spend money now and I would always think about like, oh, how much is that? Oh, $20. Oh, I shouldn't. I want to have this much money one day and I should be saving everywhere I can. And now I just stopped worrying about that. I truly believe I'm going to have all the money that I want. So why would I not spend, me spending $20 on Chipotle right now is not going to matter in the end because I am going to have all that money that I want. Yes. It's like, obviously, I'm not spending hundreds and thousands of dollars on things that I shouldn't, but like, I'm not penny pinching because I believe that I will have all the money. Yes.
0: Yes. No, and that's exactly how it works.
1: I just, I love my relationship with money so much more now. Like, spending money is, to me, it feels like a positive thing. Because spending money is like an energy exchange. Yeah. A positive energy exchange. I used to be so scared swiping my card or tapping my card and now when I do it I'm like oh my god this, it's I, fun it's fun it's like a positive thing oh I'm buying this really cool thing that's gonna make me feel good this coffee or this nice meal or something I'm ordering off Amazon that I wanted it's like a positive exchange it
0: is in so many ways and people don't realize how mean they are being to themselves they're tearing themselves apart when they get anxious about swiping their card, because Mm -hmm. if you go through your bank statement, I bet you a lot of those expenses are ways that you're taking care of yourself. Like, what are you freaking out over? buying food at the grocery store, right. like you should be grateful and thinking yourself that you're providing yourself a healthy meal and you're feeding yourself and that you have the money to do that. Like, why are you it's feeding yourself? Like, oh, I spent a
1: hundred dollars at the grocery store. Like can't believe I spent that much money. Yeah. Like yeah. fucking
0: go kill yourself. If that's truly how you are living life, because you're on this earth in order to continue staying here, you have to eat and yeah. feed your body and nutrition. So if you don't want to do that, then kill yourself or starve <laughs> yourself to death. Yeah. It's contradicting when people walk around with the scarcity mindset.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I get it. Like, I do have compassion when people are like living paycheck to paycheck, but I guarantee you just changing your outlook on that is going to help. It's just that's what's going
0: to change the outcome. Yeah.
1: It, it may not happen right away, but it's going to help with just like the anxiety that you're causing yourself And that anxiety that's going to hold you back.
0: Yeah. If you change your mindset, it'll get rid of the anxiety and then you'll eventually grow confidence, which will then attract opportunities into your life. Right. Right. So literally all you have to do is the work to change your mindset and that's it. Everything else. Yeah. It'll all fall into Mm -hmm, place mm -hmm. and you don't have to lift a finger. And I know this is probably irritating for people to hear because I remember at my lowest point. When I was also fearing money all the time and just overworking myself and living with so much anxiety, it irked me so bad for people to be like, well, it's simple. Change your mindset because I'd be like, fuck you. Like, how do I do that? So I do have compassion for anybody out there. It's hard work. It's not easy, but Mm. you're worth it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just be kind to yourself. Why would you not be kind to yourself?
0: Yeah. And just, it's little baby (laughs) steps that add up every day. Just how I was saying when you're walking around living in anxiety every day or obsessing over, I'm miserable right now, but it'll all be worth it when I reach that success. No, 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 Those little baby steps of being miserable, they're going to grow your misery. So as Danny was saying, be kind to yourself. Just start with little moments throughout the day, however you can. And one small way is at the grocery store, thank yourself for feeding yourself and prioritizing your nutrition.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: the more that you start to do it, eventually you'll just value yourself mm-hmm. and it'll all change and fall into place for you.
1: Yep. Yep. Okay, Jesus, we went on with that one for a while, so <laughs> let's move on. It's so on. good, though. Yeah, I sorry, do, not sorry. I do love that question, but we are moving on.
0: Okay, what's your biggest fear?
1: Yeah, that's kind of a hard one because, like, obviously, it used to be not accomplishing my goals, getting to the end of life and having regrets, not living with a purpose, like living an unfulfilled life, having a job I hate, not having the money I wanted. Those also used to be fears for me obviously like we just talked about those aren't fears of mine anymore uh fear for me i think my i'm just gonna keep mine simple and mine's just gonna be i don't know if i want to say death because i know you're not supposed to fear death i don't really fear death for myself i know i'm gonna die one day and i'm at peace with that but i'm scared i guess i fear losing my loved ones
0: That is so random to me. I know a lot of people (laughs) fear that. For some reason, I don't. No? I don't know why.
1: Yeah, I don't know why. I
0: mean, there are a couple loose wires in my head. We are aware (laughs) of that. (laughs) Maybe that's why.
1: Yeah, I don't know. What's yours?
0: Okay, I actually did have a legit fear. And it's all in the common theme of, you know how Laura said when she came on our pod, how whenever anybody goes to therapy... There's one root issue, but then it'll just manifest in like 85 different ways. So whatever surface level thing you think you're coming in for, there's also a common theme in your life of how that problem is also showing up in so many other areas of your life, but there's just one common root issue that will solve it all. Okay. So... I have so many moments where I'm like, okay, I'm healed. I figured it all out. But then, of course, my issue has manifested in so many different ways. So little by little, I'm getting rid of every little manifestation. So my one lingering fear that I haven't gotten rid of, even though I would say I'm like, not that we'll ever be fully healed, but like I'm pretty healed at this point. But it's becoming a mom because I am so scarred from my parents' divorce. It was so tumultuous. And then as I was saying earlier, then for the rest of my childhood, I went from like being super comfortable. My parents never talked about money. I was always provided for. And then all of a sudden, my parents get divorced. And then for the rest of my childhood, my mom is always complaining about how she's a single mom, how my dad doesn't pay child support. Then I'm like, yo, dad, why don't you help mom out? And then he's like, oh, I can't. So like neither one of my parents ever claim to have money. So I just have always feared having children and then ending up in the situation where I get divorced. I also always fear divorce, but I actually recently overcame that one day I just I revisited marriage and I was like, you know what? Life happens, nothing is guaranteed. Life would be so boring if we didn't change and get to reinvent ourselves. So, like, Mm -hmm. divorce isn't that bad of a thing. If you fall apart or whatever, you can actually use that as an opportunity. Yeah, Yeah, you're you're gonna learn something, and so can your kids. I was so sheltered as a kid, and I kind of resent my mom for it a little bit. I get it, she was trying to protect me, but. I feel like I got thrown into adulthood and was so shocked by the real world. So divorce isn't something to shield your kids from. If it happens, then just teach them, hey, this is what happens in life. Nothing is guaranteed forever. And we can handle this in a healthy way. Here's how we have open communication moving forward. We could still be a family. It's just going to look a little bit different. You can handle it in a healthy
1: way. So I- and I also think you can teach your kids from your mistakes. This is what I've learned and this is what I did wrong and this is why this divorce happened and like teach them so that they can...
0: Yeah, don't shield them from it. Try to let them think that you're perfect because, like I said, then they're going to go into adulthood and be like, what the fuck? How do I handle life? It's not as perfect as I was raised to think it was. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think it's a great learning opportunity. But what I was still fearing was uh, kind of in the same way, divorce. I guess being a single mom is what I was now fearing because... I didn't ever want to be in the position that my mom was where if the divorce goes really bad and then the guy doesn't pay child support, my mom was, she gave up her career to be a stay at home mom. So then she was screwed or whatever. I realized at the forefront of my mind, I was still fearing money a little bit, but then I was like, okay, Money's not the issue. The real issue was my mom was afraid, but she never got to do therapy as a kid. No one ever taught her how to be emotionally mature, so she was emotionally immature. She didn't know how to handle her fears or her worries, so it was easy for her to just blame everything on money. Had she been honest and been like, I'm afraid to... Parent you guys on my own, that would have been a totally different story. That would have taught me to have compassion for her and to feel my own emotions. But instead, I got raised to fear money and suppress all of my emotions. So, sitting down to journal about all of this made me realize I've done the work. I left my corporate career because I believe in myself enough and I trust my intuition that I will be okay. And I have, I've been out of work for almost a year and somehow I'm still here standing, paying my bills. So I was like, you know what, it's the same thing if you ever become a single mom. Believe in yourself, that you've put in the work to heal yourself, that you're going to be emotionally available for your kids, and the money will follow. Because again, the issue was never the money. It was just not being in tune with her emotions. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that was literally my lifelong biggest fear, and I think prepping for this pod, when it sparked all of this, I journaled about it, and now I'm healed. Yay.
1: Well, like you said, we're never going to be like 100%. Yeah, I'm sure
0: healed. it'll show up in another
1: way soon. <laughs> yeah, but you're dealing a... with that. With this with one, With that yeah. specific area. <laughs> okay. Good.
0: Listen up, Delulu besties. If you want to learn all about manifesting and become a master at attracting anything you want in your life, check out my virtual manifesting masterclass, karen-rico.com shop, or click on the link in the show notes.
1: And if you want to watch us podcast every week, check out our YouTube channel, Balancing the Bullshit, or click on the link in the show notes.